Hello everyone and welcome to the April 8th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A new WCAB in-bank decision clarified the application of the official medical fee schedule to the bills from air ambulance providers. Here is what happened in the case of Luis Enriquez versus Kudo Dairy and Zenith Insurance Company. Luis Enriquez was working on a farm in 2009 when he died after being gored by a bull. Mercy Air Services provided air ambulance services from the injury site to a hospital in Modesto, a distance of about 26 miles. Mercy sent a bill to Zenith for about $11,000 for the trip. Zenith reduced the bill pursuant to the OMFS and reimbursed Mercy in the amount of nearly $5,000. The workers' compensation judge concluded that to the extent it purports to apply to air ambulance services, covered by the Federal Airline Deregulation Act of 1978, ADA, the OMFS is preempted by federal law. The WCJ therefore awarded Mercy Air Services the remainder of their bill. Zenith petitioned for reconsideration claiming that the WCJ exceeded his authority under the California Constitution. An amicus brief was filed by California Shock Trauma Air Rescue and Reach Air Medical Services two air ambulance companies who allege they have hundreds of pending lien claims similar to Mercy's. The WCAB concluded that the WCJ did not violate any provision of the California Constitution and the OMFS may indeed be preempted by federal law. However, Mercy has that burden of proof to show that it is an air carrier subject to the provisions of the Federal Airline Deregulation Act of 1978. The essential question which was not answered in the case, was whether the air ambulance company may provide interstate air transportation within the meaning of the federal law. Reconsideration was granted, and the case remanded for clarification as to whether or not Mercy is an air carrier that may provide air transportation within the meaning of the federal law. A federal appeals court said Pfizer should pay about $142 million to plaintiffs after losing a civil case for marketing and prescribing Neurontin for unapproved uses as a practice. That practice also cost them a hefty criminal fine in a related case. A panel of appellate judges refused to overturn a ruling in favor of Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, which claimed it had been damaged after prescribing Neurontin for conditions it did not effectively treat. The panel also revived similar claims from insurer Aetna and class action allegations from Hardin Manufacturing Corporation, restoring lawsuits that had been thrown out by a lower court. The ruling in the Kaiser case upholds a jury award for $142 million. The jury found that Pfizer had marketed Neurontin for bipolar disorder, migraines, and neuropathic pain, none of which had been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The verdict followed a $240 million criminal fine in 2004, as well as a $190 million civil fine paid by Pfizer in connection with the off-label marketing. Neurontin was approved in 1993 to treat seizures. The drug maker initially forecast about $500 million in revenue generated by Neurontin. But in 1995, They began marketing Neurontin for off-label uses, a move that apparently worked, 
reaping $2 billion in Neurontin sales in 2003 alone. The court found that Pfizer marketed Neurontin for off-label uses directly to doctors, sponsored misleading informational supplements, and suppressed negative information about the drug. An attorney for Kaiser said he was gratified by the court's carefully crafted decision. Pfizer was less satisfied saying it believes there was no basis in fact or in law for the awards in the Kaiser case. In the Aetna and Hardin cases, Pfizer said it believed the lower court's dismissals were the right move and that it disagrees with the conclusions of the appeals court. Pfizer is exploring appellate options in all three of these cases. And now, our fraud report. A former Riverside Transit Authority worker has pleaded guilty to workers' compensation fraud. 46-year-old George Bateman of Corona pleaded guilty to one count of insurance fraud. He was sentenced to in 180 days in jail and a $5,000 fine. Bateman was placed on disability in 2012 after complaining of neck, shoulder, and back pain. But Bateman was observed by investigators operating his own limousine service, and he was videotaped driving, handling customer luggage, lifting bags of ice, tire rims, and cases of water without any sign of restriction. Employees who are on TTD are required to report any outside income. Bateman did not report any income from his limousine service. The Riverside District Attorney's Office has designated a unit of two deputy district attorneys and six senior investigators who are specially tasked to investigate and prosecute workers' compensation fraud. A Carson woman, 54-year-old Ubin Ugbu Rush, has been sentenced to 156 months in federal prison in an $8 million Medicare fraud case. Rush owned or controlled six companies that ostensibly sold durable medical equipment such as motorized wheelchairs and power-pressured reducing mattresses. The companies were located in Carson, Gardena, Torrance, and Paramount. Federal prosecutors showed a jury how Rush paid marketers to recruit Medicare beneficiaries who would allow their identities and Medicare numbers to be used for the submission of false claims. Rush paid kickbacks to marketers who in turn paid kickbacks to doctors who fraudulently wrote prescriptions even though the physicians had not examined the patients or an examination revealed that the medical equipment was not medically necessary. Rush submitted more than $15 million in fraudulent claims to Medicare. A co-defendant in the case, a 60-year-old Carlos Alberto Renzabala of Downey, was a recruiter who was sentenced last June to 41 months in federal prison. Another recruiter, co-defendant 58-year-old Fitasumi Savoryovong of Orange County is scheduled to be sentenced on May 20th. A related defendant, 57-year-old Dr. Alfred Glover of Playa Vista, testified at trial that he was paid for writing fraudulent prescriptions. Glover is scheduled to be sentenced on May 28th. The investigation into Russia and her Medicare fraud scheme was conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. United Parcel Service agreed to pay $40 million to settle a probe into its shipments on behalf of illicit online pharmacies. The deal was the latest move in the U.S. government's expanding crackdown on illegal sales of prescription painkillers. 
Under the agreement between UPS and the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Francisco, the company will avoid criminal prosecution. The Justice Department said UPS cooperated with investigators and has already made changes to ensure that illegal Internet pharmacies can no longer use its services to ship drugs. The company has agreed to enhance its compliance policies with respect to Internet pharmacy shippers. The Drug Enforcement Administration has also been probing FedEx over similar issues. Last year, a FedEx spokesman called the government investigation absurd and deeply disturbing, saying drug agents wanted to deputize FedEx delivery workers to catch criminals, which he said was not their job. UPS and FedEx, the nation's two biggest shipping companies, were served with subpoenas more than four years ago. And in regulatory news, California's former Fair Employment and Housing Commission adopted new disability regulations that are in effect this year that directly impact workers' compensation cases. An employer is required to initiate an interactive process if an employer becomes aware of the possible need for an accommodation because the employee has exhausted leave under the California Workers' Compensation Act. Floyd, Skarin and Kelly is pleased to announce its third annual employment law conference to be held on May 9th at the Disneyland Hotel. Phyllis Cheng, director of the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, will be the keynote speaker. Ms. Cheng will review these important new disability regulations and other key topics. The conference will also include a presentation on the expansive new pregnancy disability regulations, a legislative update guidance for employers on avoiding employment-related lawsuits, an OSHA update, and the latest information on social media in the workplace. CMS published a new 88-page reference guide for workers' compensation Medicare set-asides. The publication's purpose is to serve as a reference guide for claimants, attorneys, set-aside consultants, and others by consolidating information from previous CMS regional office memorandums. The format of the guide is structured to make it expandable for future updates. A set-aside arrangement allocates a portion of the workers' compensation settlement for all future work injury-related medical expenses that are covered and otherwise reimbursable by Medicare. When a proposed settlement is submitted to CMS for review, the CMS-approved amount must be exhausted before Medicare will begin to pay for care related to the injury that was settled. The goal, of course, is to estimate future medical expenses as accurately as possible and to set aside sufficient funds from the settlement judgment or award to cover that cost. This amount may be funded by a lump sum or may be structured such that a fixed amount of funds are provided each year for a fixed number of years. Any claimant who receives a workers' comp settlement judgment or award that includes an amount for future medical expenses must take Medicare's interest with respect to future medicals into account. If Medicare's interests are not considered, CMS has a priority right of recovery against any entity that received a portion of a third-party payment, either directly or indirectly. Medicare may also refuse to pay for future medical expenses related to the industrial injury until the entire settlement is exhausted. The Department of Industrial Relations is pleased to announce the, workers, the recent release of workers' compensation in California 
a guidebook for injured workers. DIR Director Christine Baker said that this fourth edition of the Injured Workers Guidebook helps workers and others understand the sometimes complicated process. The guidebook has been updated to reflect the latest changes to California's workers' compensation system. Also includes, it also included our references to important laws and regulations and a glossary. The guidebook is available online in English with a Spanish translation available soon. Injured workers may also obtain a printed copy at a local DWC district office. And in financial news, State Fund's annual report for 2012 shows a significant increase in net income for California's largest workers' comp insurer. State Fund's income before dividends totaled nearly $460 million, which was almost $280 million more than the prior year. The report also indicates that State Fund reduced annual fixed expenses by $150 million compared to 2009 and expects to achieve annual savings of more than $300 million by the end of 2014. Officials say these savings will help State Fund maintain fair pricing and bring value to a larger swath of the available market. State Fund announced a rate reduction of 7% effective March 1, 2013. The report also said that the State Fund maintained a balanced investment portfolio that was focused on both credit quality and investment. Book yield was 4.1%, down from 4.43% the year prior. The report comes at State Fund approaches the three-year mark of implementing a comprehensive restructuring plan aimed at consolidating operations, shrinking its real estate footprint, and reducing operating expenses. And in other news, Floyd, Scarron and Kelly is pleased to announce that Walter Hess has returned to the firm. Welcome back, Walter. After an approximate year of employment at another law firm, he is once again a welcomed addition to this firm's new Westlake Village office. He brings with him over 35 years of workers' compensation claims experience. Walter was tapped by FSNK to create its lean unit over a decade ago. Due to his efforts, the lean unit now flourishes and maintains over a dozen lean specialists throughout California. Recognized early in his career as a lean litigator, the IEA tapped him as an instructor. His special talent and insight towards lean defense, coupled with his recognition, respect, and goodwill within our community, allows FSNK this proud opportunity to announce his coming home after a year at another law firm. Welcome back again, Walter. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store or podcast software. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.